Good morning, Vancouver 601 on a Thursday. Happy Thursday, everybody. It is Halford. It is Brough. It is Sportsnet 650. And we are coming to you live from the Kintec Footwear Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. Jason, good morning. Good morning. Hey, dog. How are you now? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. The microphone doesn't work. Oh, does boy. Oh, boy. Boy. How's that now? Oh, Not okay, much better than the start of the show. Uh, How's everything going behind the boards there, A-Dog? I understand it's been a little bit of a frantic morning. Yeah, well, there's uh, some renovations happening right now. There are. So, yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting time back here. Let's try it again. Good morning, A-Dog. Good morning. Good morning. Now, basketball Ben, a.k.a. intern Ben, a.k.a. Ben, is also in studio but his workstation is not working. So Ben is here in spirit. He did say that he would wave to the audience, at which point I reminded intern Ben that this is not a visual medium right. by and large. So that's going to be difficult to do. Anyway, despite the rocky start to the show, I'm sure the rest of it's going to be awesome. Right? Right? Hey, yeah, what have we got? What have uh, we got? Maybe, Halford, maybe the guests are good. Uh, we'll get to them in a minute. Halford and Breath of the Morning is brought to you by Avenue Machinery and Douglas Lake Equipment, your Kubota all-star team. You can visit them online at avenuemachinery.ca or douglaslakeequipment.com. We are also brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. Finally, Jason, can you tell them the good details about the Kintec Footwear Studio? You're just going to put me on the spot like that? Kintec Footwear Studio. I, I actually it. have to go down to Kintec because I need some new shoes. My, uh, you know, my ons. The, what do we know? What do we call these things? Ons. Ons. O-N-S. Ons. ons. It's the Roger Federer shoe, right? Yeah, ons. Yeah, that's, that's fine. Ons is okay. It sounds weird, but I you get You have the, special I, medical shoes? Is that what you're implying? No, no, no. They, I, have, I have special, very comfortable shoes. I oh, need to okay. get a new pair because I have worn the heck out of these. We like to call them special shoes. Yeah. Uh, Kintec Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 1,500 five-star Google reviews. Let's get that up to 1,600. Let's do it. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. Okay, what's happening on the program today? It is Thursday. It is Thursday Night Football. We have a really good Thursday Night Football game on tap tonight. It is the Chargers and the Chiefs from Arrowhead. I got to double-check that one, but I'm pretty sure it's from Arrowhead. Uh, joining us at 6.30 from NFL.com, it is Nick Shook, our good buddy. He does around the league news. We will get a preview of tonight's game. We can look back at everything from week one. Heck, we can look ahead to week two. That's 6.30, Nick Shook. 7 o'clock, Brandon Batchelor, play-by-play voice of the Vancouver Canucks, is going to join us here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Uh, the Canucks continue to practice out at Eight Rinks, a.k.a. Scotia Barn and Burnaby. Batch has been on the scene, taking in all the action, talking all the different interview subjects. So we'll talk to Batch about all that. At 7 o'clock, 7.30, happy to have our next guest next guest back in the rotation. Uh, Frank Saravalli from Daily Faceoff is going to join us for his first hit of the year. He will be our Thursday regular. Talk to Frank about everything that's going on or maybe not going on around the NHL right now. We'll just switch our questions that we always asked him about JT Miller, and we'll just sub in the old replacement name of Bo Horvat. It's so easy to do this job sometimes. Yeah. Fun, too. What are you hearing about Horvat, Frank? Except it's really early in the morning. I was feeling it this morning. 8 o'clock, KJ Wright is going to join us on the program. Maybe the best linebacker we've ever had on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Yeah, probably. He was actually one of my favorite Seahawks. He was... Like, he. He's not going to have his number retired. I'm sure he'll be in the ring of honor. Just uh, a damn good football player. He's just a really good football player. I, I was actually surprised to see that he only made one Pro Bowl. 
Um, is that it? That's really? it. Yeah, oh. that's it for KJ Wright. Only one Pro Bowl. Um, he was just just a just a solid solid football player. Made a lot of tackles. Um, obviously, going to ask him about um, raising the flag mm-hmm. Monday night and what it was like to be uh, at Lumen Field on Monday night. Uh, we should ask him some of those questions that we've been kicking around. Like oh, yeah. KJ, do you think the Seahawks would make a good 30 for 30 documentary. So he's actually done a bunch of media recently. And I think in part it's because he's doing this uh, tour that's come. That's why he's here. Actually, he's in, he's in Coquitlam's Centennial Secondary. They're doing, I think it's called the Friday night blue lights. So the Seahawks have this sort of like traveling entourage. Remember the one that we had at the bar at the pint a few years no, ago? Oh yeah, no, I know. Yeah, it's yeah. like it's like a traveling branding exercise for the Seahawks. What is it? Centennial versus VC? I can't remember the game actually. I just know that they're going to be in Coquitlam at Centennial and then they're going to have like a drum line and they're going to have a bunch of uh Seahawks staffers and personnel and then of and course the BC lines are involved as well. Right. And then of course the big marquee is KJ Wright. So I don't know if all the media that he's done lately is because of that, but I was watching a podcast he did the other day where in large part because, I mean, obviously the Monday Night Football game and then all the Seahawks alumni being in attendance, it, he was asked all these questions yeah. a couple of different times. Like, what was it like with Russ? I think him and Russ might be tighter than some of the other former teammates, yeah, but we'll I ask him that are. as well. Yeah. It, it is Vancouver College at Centennial. Thank you. 7 o'clock, Friday, September 16th, Centennial Turf. Seems like everything's sharper back there now. Seems like you're, really? in, your, you're in your rhythm. Yeah. Am I? Did you get some sugar cereal in you? I'm eating three Sundays right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's my breakfast Sunday. So that's the show. 8 o'clock, KJ Wright. 7.30, Frank Saravalli. 7 o'clock, Brandon Bachelor. 6.30, Nick Shook. Uh, as mentioned, big Thursday night football game tonight. Chiefs and Chargers. That's on tap at 5.15 kickoff. Uh, the Jays will finish their series against the Rays. And for the second consecutive day, kudos to Sean and Delta, who texted in way before the show started just to get his Jays stuff in, in the hopes that we would put it in the intro. Sean. We just might do that today. Uh, there's lots of football, the international footy, uh, Europa and Conference League. I'm not going to run down the games. This is the stage of the tournament where you get the, the names of teams that are impossible to pronounce. Yeah. The ones that have the O in the name with the line through it and the umlaut. Right. It's like, I don't know how to pronounce that. And they're like, it's actually a Q. They're the third best team in Norway. Yeah. And you're, they're, they're playing Manchester United for some reason. Actually, that's one of the few games that's kind of interesting. United, remember Sheriff from Moldova? They beat Real Madrid at the Bernabeu last year, and it was a huge upset. Oh, yeah, and then Real went on that crazy run. Yes. Uh, they, Sheriff, which <laughs> is actually a team name, is playing Manchester United tonight. Okay, so that's great. One the, that's one of the big games in Europa League and Conference League today. So that's what's happening uh, on the program today and in sports this afternoon and this evening. Uh, let's tell everybody what happened yesterday. Hey, dog, take it away. Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. Oh, what happened? I missed all the action because I was... We know how busy your life can be. What happened? Miss that? You missed that? What happened? Do we want to give Sean and Delta the Halbro bump and start Jays, or do we want to start local and be true to our organic local roots and start with the Caps? we got a lot of things we need to get into here as a matter of Why don't we do a quick white caps recap sure. because they are local and you were there and they did to their credit win the game yeah in a pretty interesting result considering how much that game meant to the visiting la galaxy uh the white caps used a strong second half performance at bc place on wednesday night after going nil nil at the half three nil victory for the caps they keep their faint 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 playoff hopes alive 
with the victory. To give you an idea of how gutting this loss was for the LA Galaxy, uh, several reporters tweeted out in the aftermath that they didn't even open their dressing room to visiting media. Really? They were so upset, yeah. They were supposed to open it up 15 minutes after the match. They didn't. That So the Galaxy were right on the cusp of uh, jumping into a playoff spot yesterday. There's seven playoff teams in the MLS's Western Conference. They were in eighth, and that loss to the Caps might be a crippler for them. That game definitely, it had importance for the Caps because whatever slim playoff chances they have, we can go to sports club stats or whatever. I think if they lost that game, they would be officially eliminated. And they won. And it was, um, look, it wasn't very well attended. Um, It was the usual sort of Wednesday night crowd minus a little bit. I think everyone in attendance knew that this was part playing out the string, but I will give credit where credit is due. They got a victory against a team that was exceptionally hungry for points. So... If you're at all interested in this team's mathematical chances for getting to the postseason for the second consecutive year, they've got three games left. Two of them are at home. They can't drop a single point. And yeah. even if they win all three, it's still probably not going to be enough. They're six points back of the final playoff spot, which is held by uh, Real Salt Lake. Who actually lost last night, so that helped. Right. But, yeah, I mean, the, the Caps lost their playoff chances. And they might have lost much more than that, depending on who is either in with a job or not after the season. Right after they won the Canadian Championship, up until last week, they went through a terrible run of form where they couldn't drop points left and right, and all they did was drop points left and right. So the Whitecaps did get a victory last night. Good for them. Good for Pedro Vite, who got his first ever MLS goal as well. I think we'll probably dig into the Whitecaps either after the season is over, and again, they've only got three games left. Mm-hmm. Um They've got two home games, right? Seattle's, Saturday, yeah, and then the one that you've got tickets to on October first against Austin. Yeah, that'll be that'll be fun. That's the season ender. Yeah, literally. Um, and then uh, maybe we'll dig in when they're officially eliminated or when the season's over. But uh, you know, they got some big decisions to make about who should stay and who should go. Um, I imagine there's a lot of Whitecap supporters out there that have a of a list of who should go. Uh, the Blue Jays, and I'm going to read. This text from Sean and Delta. The Jays did it again last night. Stripling is getting it done. And Bo is still lighting it up. The Jays are on a roll, playing great in September. I think they've got the best record in the majors in they September. Do. They do. Uh, everyone is excited about the Jays making the playoffs. Well, I don't know about everyone. Well, a lot of people. <laughs> uh, and then he jokes. But let's put all that on hold. Let's talk soccer instead and then maybe some NASCAR because that's what people really want to hear. Ha ha. Have a great day, guys. Uh, yeah, we did start with soccer. Not yeah. NASCAR. Uh, to our credit, we did not talk about NASCAR. We did not talk about sailing. Uh, but not let's yet. talk about the Blue Jays. Uh, Vladdy Guerrero, just 23 years old, already now has 100 home runs. Uh, he joined a pretty good list of players yesterday, and the Blue Jays' Twitter account tweeted this out. Youngest players in Major League Baseball history. So not just Blue Jays' history right. here. This is Major League Baseball history with 100 home runs and 100 doubles. Number one is Mel Ott. I remember him. <laughs> yep. Uh, 22 years and 132 days. Uh, these are all the players that got there slightly before Vladdy. Mel Ott, A-Rod, Andrew Jones, Miggy Cabrera, Johnny Bench, and Bryce Harper. Mm-hmm. That's it. It's a good list. He did it two years earlier than his dad did it, too. I'm yeah. my dad. Yeah, it was, a, it was an impressive result in what's been a really impressive series for the Jays. 
so far. Very rarely, especially this deep in the season, do you get a five-game series and a five-game homestand against a divisional rival. But what the Jays have been able to do, having won three of four, is put some distance, obviously with the three wildcard teams and then the rest of the field. They put some distance between them and Tampa Bay. And don't look now, Jason, but the Jays are just six games back of the New York Yankees for top spot. I don't, know why you, I, don't, I don't know why you're focusing on that. It's because you said something offhand. I didn't. I said it directly to Buck Martinez. Yeah, and okay. Buck said, and I quote, you're not crazy. Yeah, but you, but you it's were. It's the biggest, biggest compliment anyone's ever paid me. There's six games back. The real story, the one that you should be focusing on. Is how they're going to catch the Yankees. Is if the playoffs started today, they would face the Mariners. Yeah, I know. And that's, see, in my, my mind grapes, I want them to catch the Yankees so that they get, obviously don't have to go through the wild card. But cards, they're not going to. The they're six games slog. back. And then when they catch the Yankees, do, do you, do you think the Yankees. The, the Yankees aren't <laughs> struggling anymore. Have you been watching Aaron Judge? Is he hitting home runs again? Good for him. Yeah, the big story there is obviously going to be that the Jays right now in that mushy middle of the wild card spot. Right now, you're going to get a wild card series against the uh, Seattle Mariners. So after years and years and years of the two teams never making the playoffs in the same postseason, they're going to not only get in, <laughs> they're going to play one another. Uh, I think it's worth remembering uh, because everyone's kind of still remember- trying to figure out what this playoff format is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's worth remembering that the highest seed – of let's say the Blue Jays and the Mariners were to face each other in the playoffs, the highest seed would host all the games. It wouldn't go like the first two games are in Toronto and then the next game is in Seattle. It was like the um, uh, Abbotsford Canucks playoff quote unquote playoff series. No, it's not like that. Yeah, it is. They, they went, down, gone, to, yeah, they went but, down to Stockton. There was they had to win all the they had to win the series in Stockton, didn't they? Didn't no, wasn't it a best of three back. in Stockton? It was a best of three, but the third I think would have been. Back oh, really? Oh, okay. I think so so I this think so, series, yeah. all the games by the home team. Yeah, all yeah, the games okay. are, yeah. This is, and I don't even feel bad about not knowing this because Major League Baseball's playoff uh, format changes every year. That's yeah. not on us. How yeah. are we supposed to keep track of I was actually changes? trying to count up, like, if the Blue Jays or the Mariners make this wild card, how many rounds would they have to win? <laughs> right. And I'm like, okay, wait a minute. So then you go to the, the okay, there's the wild, the, the division, there's the AL, so it would be four rounds if they were to win the World Series. So, okay, this, again, I, this is what, I'm reading it right off Wikipedia, which we know is always right. This is the first edition of the postseason since 2012 to have a new format. So 10 years, they've already got another format. Six teams per league, top two go through. Uh, and then it's 3v6, 4v5. And you're right, the top team hosts the series. So I It's mean, probably also interesting to note that the seeding doesn't change in the next round. So assuming that Houston's going to be the top team okay. uh, in the AL, uh, and I don't think anyone's going to catch them, including the Yankees, who are apparently just terrible, according to Halford. Um, So if the Jays and the Mariners were to meet in that 4-5, the winner of that series would probably play Houston, which is unfortunate because I I want to see – I mean, I guess it could eventually happen uh, in the ALCS that one of them would play the Yankees, Mm -hmm. um, but it would be Houston. So it it really is important for seeding purposes that – these two teams keep winning. Yeah. Right? Like they 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 really want to host all the games. It's just easier plus you got your crowd. It would I think it would be unfortunate for the Mariners to uh make the playoffs and then not host any games. Right. Uh speaking of those Mariners and as we continue the narrative of great young stars on both of these teams breaking through. So it was J-Rod last night 
Julio Rodriguez joining the 25-25 club. And when you sent these notes through, I remember hearkening back. Remember when, like, the 40-40 club used to be the thing yeah. in baseball? And now it's kind of fallen by the wayside because the stolen base, has, mm-hmm. with the analytics era, it's become less impressive and less important and, quite frankly, less used. But Julio Rodriguez stole his 25th base of the season last night for the Mariners. They get a 6-1 win over the Padres. My buddy, who I went to the Whitecaps game last night, is a huge Padres fan. And he was monitoring it and gritting his teeth. He wasn't happy about it. But so, yeah, 25 for 25. That joins the light. I think Mike Trout was the most recent one to mm-hmm. do it in his rookie year. So, J-Rod's, I'm assuming, going to win rookie of the year in the AL. And then, as the stat is here, he's just the fourth player to do the 25-25 at 21 years old. That joins the likes of, like, Ronald Acuna Jr., Mike Trout, Andrew Jones, who we already mentioned, with regards to getting to 100 home runs before the age of 22, 23. So, yeah, it was a big night for the M's as well. As we we got, look forward to that series. We got some breaking news here. You, oh. were, you were right about something. Dave oh. from Abbey. Morning, guys. The Abbey Canucks would have been three games all in the same building. So, no, the Canucks would not have received a home game. So, congratulations on that. Uh, you I were just right, took a guess. And I was wrong. Really? Um, I took a guess. Let's talk a little Canucks here while we got time. Uh, the Young Stars Tournament begins today in Penticton. We can also talk to Batch about that. Um, <laughs> I, just, I just got your notes. I don't know if he meant to put this in there to read it aloud or something, but his notes are like, the Young Stars begins today. We finally get to see Nils Amon. <laughs> After, yeah, that's uh, quite the roster they've compiled. After years of waiting, we finally get to see what Nils Amon is all about. And um, uh, yeah, so the listen, roster is. Yeah. I, I think it's okay to poke fun at at, sure. at, at, the, at the roster just a little bit. Um, you know, I the, there are other teams uh, across the country that are that are doing these types of uh, tournaments, like Montreal and Ottawa, and they're talking about all the talent uh, that's at these tournaments and and for the Canucks, let's face it, right? Like this is not a star studded prospect group. Uh, I'm kind of curious about a guy like Linus Carlson, right? But I have to talk myself into it as far as this tournament is concerned. Sure. You watch these guys at the tournament, um, and you're kind of like, okay, well, well, let's see who stands out. Um, but in reality, they have to make it at the AHL level first and then the NHL level, right? I, I, I don't think anyone's going to sit here and watch these tournaments and be like, well, that proves anything, right? Sure. They're playing other prospects. The real challenge is when they actually go to the AHL and start playing pros and, uh, and then hopefully uh, get a crack at the NHL. Looking at this roster that the Canucks have, and this is just me being real here, mm-hmm. If one solid NHLer emerges from the group that the Canucks are bringing to Penticton, right. I'd honestly be happy. And, and I'm not talking about a guy that just plays a few games in the NHL. I'm talking about a legitimate contributor. Um, I'd be happy if, if one player comes out of this group. Um, the Canucks really need to put a program together that produces the odd, unexpected contributor. Right? Like that's going to be the key. They've got to, I, first of all, they got to identify the right candidates. If it's in, you know, college free agency or European free agency, or it's down in the draft a little bit more, you know, as opposed to the first or second round picks. Yeah. Um, and then they've got to develop them. Most of the time, I think you'll find the type of player that emerges 
from lists like this, right? Like if you're looking at it and you're going, wow, there aren't any blue chip prospects there. Most of the time, the player is that kind that's like a hard worker that's willing to do whatever it takes to make it. And if you think back on recent Canucks, you'd look at a guy like Alex Burrows, right? Mm-hmm. Who, who was willing to even go to the ECHL and work his way up. And, and we all know that Burr wasn't afraid to make some noise in order sure. to get noticed. Uh, and the other guy that I would think about was a Yannick Hansen, right? From Denmark, not a traditional hockey power. Um, he kind of had to change his game from, you know, when you're growing up in Denmark, he's probably the star who was scoring all the goals. And he has acknowledged a few times that he had to uh, identify something that he was good at. Right. And, yeah. and that was uh, to start, that was like he had speed. So I'm going to be a checker. Right. I'm not going to be in the top six, n- not right away at least. So I'll be a checker and I'll use my speed to get in the, get in on the four check and I'll win battles. Right, like I will, I will outwork anyone. Uh, and well, another guy that Thomas Drance, who is from the Athletic Vancouver, and will be up in Penticton for Young Stars this weekend, and we'll get a recap on Tuesday. Drance pointed out that Antoine Roussel got his start with the Canucks at the Young Star tournament, and that was a big thing for him as he eventually turned that into a pretty nice NHL career, given where he started. Right, and very similar story to Hanson. He came from France, which isn't exactly a global hockey powerhouse, but managed to fight his way through. And you're right with that type of player profile, right? That's the kind of player that usually makes its way through those kind of events and manages to scratch out an NHL career. Now, it's 623 and we got to go to break. We have breaking news and real legitimate breaking news. Sportsnet 650, breaking news. In an announcement put forth on social media just a few minutes ago, Arguably the greatest men's tennis player of all time, Roger Federer, has announced that he will retire from professional tennis after the Labor Cup next week. So that's it. We have seen arguably the goat of men's tennis, that's greatest of all time, not the animal, will hang up his rackets and hang up his comfy on sneakers and retire from the ATP Tour. And I wonder... If a lot of if some people would push back on the greatest of all time, because as he retires, Nadal has more Grand Slams, Joker has more Grand Slams. It goes Nadal with twenty two, Joker with twenty one, and Feds with twenty. Mm-hmm. Um, but he kind of started the big three. It's it is really interesting because um, I think that's I tried to frame it as being one of or arguably like you got to throw in those early prefixes just yeah. to make sure that you're not saying one over the other because it really was the three of them, but you're right. Uh, in terms of how long he's been doing it, he actually mentions it in his statement. I have played over 1,500 matches over 24 years. I am 41 years old. So he's been doing this <laughs> forever. And that was kind of the legacy was the sustained level of excellence for such a long period of time. I mean, I, that was funny. I, I think I've mentioned this before. I was watching the... Marty Fish documentary, and it was largely about Marty Fish and his friendship with Andy Roddick. Yeah. They came up together as American juniors and both got to become top 10, top five players in the world. Roddick said, I just couldn't ever beat Federer. Right. Right. Like it was like, I would play him a lot and mm-hmm. we would play tennis and sometimes I'd get close, but he was so good for so long that I, his entire career, and that must be a weird thing where it's like your entire career, 
is synonymous with, I just could never beat this guy, mm-hmm. right? And that's something that Federer did to a lot of different people. At the same time... To a greater extent, I think, than even Tiger Woods dominated golf. Like, at least oh, those yeah. guys felt that, you know, once in a while, even the greatest golfer will have an off tournament or something like that, or something will happen. It, it never really seemed well, to it, happen, out, uh, yeah. uh, you know, outside of the big three. It's really funny that you mentioned Tiger Woods, because the thing with Tiger Woods is that his run of dominance was interrupted yeah. by a multitude of things. That was another thing about Roger Federer, is that... I don't know if you've ever read about uh, his commitment to health and nutrition and his body, but mm-hmm. he is... Is it fairly high? Is he, he's, he's quite committed? He sleeps 12 <laughs> hours a night every night. Does he really? Yeah. Yeah. I'm so jealous. I've slept 12 hours this week. In an oxygen bubble or something no, like that? No, I think he's got an eye mask. Maybe like oh, a personally, right. like an okay. RF branded eye mask. Right. <laughs> that okay. really does the trick for him. But um, again, so in light of the fact that he, he does all these things, it's not surprising he played till age 41 in over 1,500 matches. Also, maybe one of the least bombastic, one of the most quiet, one of the most unassuming superstars that we've ever seen in sport, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, what, what do you think of when you think of Roger Federer other than just being an amazingly dominant tennis player? I, his personality. Yeah, the, seems like a good guy. Yeah, right? Probably cool to hang out with. Maybe yeah. a little quiet, but that's fine if you want to watch but a that's tennis better. match. Yeah, exactly. It's not going to bother you, right? So it's, uh, that's it. What did what it... it we don't usually get a lot of breaking news at 626 in the morning on the West Coast. I'm not going to lie. So for those that missed it and have no idea what we're talking about, Roger Federer has announced his retirement from professional tennis that will come into effect next week. Very Sedin-like, just kind of announcing the retirement right before it's going to happen. Yeah, it doesn't want a lot of attention. Yeah. Uh, coming up on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650, we're going to change lanes. I haven't used that one in a while. We're going to change lanes and go with some National Football League talk. Nick Shook from NFL.com is going to join us ahead of tonight's Thursday night football game between the Chiefs and the Chargers, which is actually a great game uh, early in the season, classic divisional rivalry, and Thursday night football, which usually gets the junk Jacksonville games. Yeah. That's a pretty good one for This us. is a huge game for the Chargers because they, they're, they're still trying to gain a little bit of respect in that division, I think. Yes, like we, we I would all agree. Know, we, all know, we all know that what the Chiefs have done, um, so much attention this offseason um, – on Russell Wilson going to the Denver Broncos and, and a lot of people and the Chargers kind of like, Hey, we're really good too. We're and they, really good yeah. too. And you know, we didn't talk about them a lot in week one. So we'll start with Nick Shook with that. That's coming up next. Uh, you are listening to the Halford and Bruff show on Sportsnet 650. Time now for Sportsnet 650 traffic from the city news, 1130 air patrol. Six thirty four on a Thursday. Happy Thursday, everybody. Halford Prof Sportsnet six fifty. Halford and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by Avenue Machinery and Douglas Lake Equipment, your Kubota all-star team. Visit them on the internet. Here's how to do it. AvenueMachinery.ca, DouglasLakeEquipment.com. We are also brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. Finally, I forgot to do this at the back end of the last segment. Uh, Concerts West is presenting Pink Floyd's Roger Waters live September 15th, which is tonight at Rogers Arena. Get your tickets now at rogerwaters.com. I had a moment of panic there. Thought we had a dated read in the book, but we do not. Tonight, Roger Waters 
uh, at Rogers Arena. You have to go to rogerwaters.com, though, to get tickets. Is that confusing? I hope not. Joining us now as we break down the other big event tonight, Thursday Night Football, Chargers, Chiefs. It's Nick Shook from NFL.com here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Morning, Nick. How are you? I'm good. How are you? We're good. Thanks for taking the time to do this. We appreciate it. Uh, let's start with tonight's game. If I'm not mistaken, you actually wrote about the Chargers victory in week one for NFL.com, talking about just how dialed in Justin Herbert was. Uh, it's too early, I think, to call any game in week two a statement game, but given how good Mahomes and the Chiefs looked in week one, given how good the Chargers and Herbert looked in week one, uh, it's a great QB matchup for sure. There's got to be some kind of bragging rights on the line as well for tonight. Yeah, certainly. I think the, the bragging rights are really on the line for the Chargers because this is the yeah. team that's been looking up at the Chiefs in the last few years in the AFC West. And this is the team that has Super Bowl ambitions and, and got off to a hot start with a victory over the Raiders in Week 1, a game that for a moment there looked like it may end up being a classic Chargers meltdown loss, but they were able to hang on thanks to their new and improved defense and an offense that did enough to build a lead that they could hang on to. Now, you come into this game Thursday night, short week, playing a Chiefs team that looks excellent who needs Tyree Kill when you've got Patrick Mahomes and their new cast of receivers who he was connecting with all afternoon in Arizona so uh the Chargers could make a massive statement by coming in and outplaying that team and potentially doing so without either the likes of Keenan Allen or JC Jackson or both you know two of their big prime time names the 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 guys that they've relied on both in the past and plan to in the future you know in the past being Allen and in the future being Jackson on defense but guys like Khalil Mack will be available. And they made a, a huge impact in week one. So if they could come in and beat the Chiefs in Arrowhead on Thursday night, it would send a massive statement, I think, to the rest of the league, even though it's extremely early in, in the season, that, look, these are not the Chargers of old. These are not the Chargers of last year that showed the potential and ultimately fell short of their goal. This team has spent the entire offseason focusing on taking the next step and looks like, even though in week two, looks like that they're maybe on track if they can get a win over the Chiefs with the entire nation watching. You know, we talked about this a little bit in the preseason as we were looking ahead and trying to, you know, do some predictions and everything. And, you know, that division, the AFC West, it is kind of remarkable how high a level the quarterback play is going to be. Because, look, you look last week, and Mahomes was phenomenal in week one in Arizona. Uh, you mentioned that Herbert was great. Um, you know, Russell Wilson, for as badly as Monday Night Football ended, he still threw for nearly 350 yards. And the Raiders with Derek Carr, I got to say, like, even though they lost that opener against the Chargers, I thought Carr looked good at times, and Devontae Adams looked great in his debut. So I'm looking at that division and saying, I think there could be a lot of points scored between these four teams this year, given that they have to face everybody twice in the division. Yeah, it's really going to come down to the, the, the differences on defense that some of these teams, you know, the changes they made in the offseason. I mean, the Chiefs, for as many points as they scored against the Cardinals, their defense is very much improved uh, with the additions they made there. You know, Justin Reed at safety, George Karloftis at edge rusher being a couple of those guys. Adding to the pieces that they already have, that's going to play a pretty big role uh, in their season, especially against these offenses, as you mentioned, with these quarterbacks. And that's kind of the narrative throughout the division. Khalil Mack in, in L.A. with the Chargers, Chandler Jones in Vegas with the Raiders, uh, and, and even guys like Randy Gregory with uh, the Broncos. Every right. team made an addition at the position. So it's not just about the quarterbacks, but all the quarterbacks you're going to expect to play pretty well. It's just a matter of which defense can, can stand the test of time as we move throughout this season and really, most importantly, play, stay healthy. So, yeah, I think um, as advertised to this point, and even though the Broncos lost in the way that they did, if they can actually 
get more organized, you know, from the the game they played on Monday night moving forward because they they were pretty discombobulated for most of that game. Um, if they can kind of get that, you know, sorted out, then, yeah, I think it's going to be just as tough as we thought it would be going into this season and, and be a marathon of a competition, which is why games like tonight are so important to the long-term mm-hmm. outlook of, you know, how this division shakes out. Uh, sticking with the theme of quarterback play, we'll expand it beyond the AFC West to the entire AFC. I would say top dog right now. All due respect to what Mahomes and the Chiefs did, uh, that Thursday night performance from the Bills and Josh Allen going into Los Angeles, defeating the defending Super Bowl champions in the manner that they did. And now it becomes really interesting because the Bills turn around. They get another primetime game. It's Monday Night Football. They get another really good opponent, uh, the former number one seed last year in the playoffs. A lot of people forget um, the the Tennessee Titans who got off to a bad start with the loss against the Giants. It's another litmus test for this Bills team where they can not only like build on what they did against the Rams, but really solidify them as being that team that everyone thought was a Super Bowl favorite going into the season. Yeah, certainly if they go in there and do what I expect them to do, which is win by multiple scores. The okay, reason I yeah. say that is it's it's a lack of confidence in the Titans and what they bring to the table. You know, they have a lot of new faces in their offense. They also lack the overall potential that they may have had in recent years. I mean, you go back and watch that game against the Giants. The Giants made a furious comeback, but the Titans also had a lead that they could not build upon. And and I have serious concerns about this team's outlook over the course of the season just because of a lack of overall talent. That you know they've, they've had some departures in the off season. Derrick Henry coming off of an injury didn't look very impressive in Week One, uh, so I expect the Bills. You know they can make a statement, not necessarily just by winning, but winning big. Uh, I, I feel like the the Thursday night game left a, it, it gave it had more importance to it because it was the kickoff game, I think, and it was a matchup that everybody was anticipating. I don't even know if we look back by the end of the season if that's necessarily necessarily the litmus test that. Hmm. Uh, we anticipated it being that really is dependent on how the, the Rams proceed from here and, and whether they figure out some of their offensive issues. But I think the Bills are going to be there all year. I think what we saw on Thursday night was not a fluke. It's just indicative of the team that they have. And especially once they get Tredavious White back, um, they're only going to get stronger. So continuing to build that momentum by blowing out the Titans on Monday night, would it make for the greatest game? No, but it would certainly solidify their place among the elite in this league. Now, Crazier things have happened. The Seahawks did just beat the Broncos on Monday night, so I'm not saying that it's a guarantee that they rolled to a win over the Titans, but if they did that, then uh, it would only give us you know, additional evidence for why we believe that the Bills are one of the best teams in the NFL going forward. Hey, Nick, the Seahawks may have beaten the Broncos, but Vegas isn't giving them much respect. Uh, they're eight-and-a-half-point underdogs heading into San Francisco to play a 49ers team that lost to the Bears in Week 1. Is this the sports book saying – well, Seattle, you you probably should have lost to Denver. And also, uh, when it comes to the 49ers, we're not going to punish you too badly for losing that game in Chicago, given the weather. Yeah, it's the only weird, or it's not the only weird thing that came from the sports books this week. Because if you look over at uh, the Steelers Patriots matchup, the Steelers are one point underdogs there as well. Hmm. So, uh, some interesting reactions coming from Week One. Now, of course, Week One is the home of overreaction. We all know that. You know, we. We make knee-jerk uh, judgments from week one action as if it's going to matter throughout the course of the season when a lot of crazy things happen. I keep going back to a couple of years ago. The Jaguars win in week one, and they don't win again for three months. So they, they could have looked like world beaters at that time as well. So a lot of crazy things tend to happen in week one when we go in with expectations but with little evidence to back it up. Then we have this new fresh evidence and think that our entire season's outlook is going to be judged based off of that one week. It's, it's easier to get that first month out of the way to really understand where these teams stand. So – 
I, I would agree with what you're saying, though. Um, the 49ers didn't look remarkably good at anything other than, you know, Trey Lance had a couple nice passes, intermediate passes throughout that game, and especially in the first half. The weather really took over that game, and uh, Chicago was able to capitalize on, you know, some extended plays where guys were open downfield. The Dante Pettis touchdown was essentially Justin Fields avoiding a sack and finding Pettis wide open because he just can't cover for that long. So kind of a weird game with Luke Ian that we're going to look back and think, well, wow, how did that? How did the Bears win that game? But, again, a lot of that is dependent on Trey Lance's development as the quarterback in San Francisco. Nobody should panic in San Francisco just because they lost to Chicago. They should feel better about the fact that, you know, they, they're seen as the favorites against Seattle. And Seattle, you know, I think played above its head on Monday night, uh, you know, with all the emotion involved and everything else. And, and the Broncos continuously stubbing their toe, you know, on the goal line and then in the final minute of the game as well. Uh, we're going to look back on that game and be pretty surprised by that out- outcome as well when it's all said and done. So it makes for a weird judgment when, when you come from the, the standpoint of the sports books and the way that you just look at this game going forward. And, um, and I, frankly, you know, I, I don't think the Seahawks will win. I picked the 49ers, but it wasn't with a ton of confidence. If you had to add confidence points to it, I would, I would not spend a lot of them on that game just because, again, the big question mark, and this is really the narrative for the, the entire 49ers season as we you know look at it going forward is, what is Trey Lance? What are you going to get out of him? And they also lost their lead running back last week in Elijah Mitchell. He's going to be out for some time. So they have to replace him with Jeff Wilson and, you know, Debo Samuel getting some carries and whoever else they decide should be uh, deserving of some carries. So a lot of questions remain with the 49ers. And, um, and, and we kind of have to temper our expectations with the Seahawks despite the fact that they won in week one. Nick, this was great, man. Thanks a lot for doing this today. We really appreciate it. Enjoy the game tonight. Should be a good one. We'll do this again soon. Yeah, you too, guys. Thanks. Thank Thanks, you. Nick. That's Nick Shook from NFL.com here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. A reminder, it is the Chiefs and the Chargers tonight. Thursday night football, 5-15 kickoff. Chiefs a four-point favorite at home at Arrowhead tonight. Uh, Brendan Batchelor is going to join us at 7 o'clock for some Canucks talk. I do want to talk about Jake Vertanen. Uh, it does sound like he's going to end up on some NHL team this season at, at the very least on a PTO, uh, the Alberta teams have been rumored, the Oilers or the Flames. Um, I did read something last night that suggests the Oilers may be out on Jake Vertanen. Um, I am not surprised that a handful of teams are least interested in giving him a look on a PTO. Uh, if only because we've seen this multiple times in the NHL in the past. When a player is drafted where Jake Vertanen was drafted, when he has size, when he has speed and a good shot, there are going to be teams that can talk themselves into saying, well, maybe we can unlock his potential. Obviously, obviously, that was a big sigh that Halford just made. Obviously, people are going to question his character. He was found not guilty of sexual assault, which no, doesn't mean innocent, but it doesn't mean guilty either. So that's something a team will have to consider. And maybe they'll try and find some more information, information that's not public. Or maybe they'll just say, hey, if you're good enough to play hockey, if you're a good hockey player, then it doesn't really matter. But here's the thing. (laughs) I'm not sure he's a good enough hockey player to be in the NHL. And what, here's a question I have for anyone out there that is interested in this story. What 
in terms of hockey, does Jake Vertanen do well? Where could you slot him in the lineup that makes sense? He's not a top six guy. He's not a checker. He's not a power play sniper. And I'm not sure he's ever killed penalties. He's big, but he's not that gritty. He's not that good along the wall. And he he's not like one of these wily vets where you can bring playoff experience to the dressing room. So what is he as a player? This is exactly why he was so frustrating to watch in Vancouver. A big guy with speed and a hard shot. But he never excelled at anything that was actually valuable to the team. We talked earlier in the show about trying to find some players out of this prospect group. And we talked about Alex Burroughs and Yannick Hansen. These guys found their niche. Mm -hmm. They found their specialty. Both of those guys, for example, killed penalties. Both of those guys were gritty. They were willing to out-battle the other guys. I don't I don't get this at all, to be honest. I don't I don't get it at all. I don't even see Well, you do get it. No, I don't. He was he was drafted eight years ago, man. Eight years ago. Yeah. That's all that's a lifetime. There are countless other guys from that draft that were drafted, some of them higher than Vertanen. Like Michael Dalcale and Hayden Fleury, who's drafted later. Julius Honka, Brendan Perlini. These guys were all taken in the same draft here. And they're not getting extra bites at the apple. They're done. Honka was taken 14th overall. I think he's playing in Finland now. Right? I don't I don't understand. Now, some people say, well, Jake Vertanen proved it at the NHL level. And, and he, had, he had one season where he scored 18 goals in 69 games. And that was two years ago. And then, remember what happened is they came back out of the bubble. Or, sorry, they came back off of the COVID shutdown. And Vertanen couldn't get a game at the start. And then he scored two goals in 16 playoff games. So he did get 20. I kind of infamously remember that. Outside of one year where he had moderate goal scoring production. Moderate. He's done nothing. And I don't want to be like, and then add on to that is, that's not, that's not how this should be framed. I just, if my initial reaction to this was, I don't understand how there are three teams lined up to give him a PTO. I really don't. I think there might be more teams that are at least kicking tires on him. I, I, I it really now here's the thing. A lot of people are saying, well, Edmonton, and then they'll point to Evander Kane, who had a litany of off ice issues. The biggest difference there is that Evander Kane was a productive, and not just a productive, a really good goal scoring winger every place he went prior to. There was no question whatsoever about Evander Kane's ability as a hockey player. It feels weird talking about it in these terms, but Kane was basically a twenty goal scorer in. In Buffalo when he started, I think he had 19, I think when he was young, right? Winnipeg or Atlanta. Winnip- Winnipeg, Buffalo, yeah. San Jose. His three previous stops. I'm not counting Atlanta, yeah. right? Um, all of them, he was at least a 20-goal scorer and then flirted with 30. And then that was just his thing. So it was always like, well, you're taking the risk because you know what you're going to get on the ice. And he works on the ice. He's tough as nails on the ice. I don't see any of that. With Vertanen. No. I, don't, I don't know a single person that was like, oh, yeah, you know what you're getting there. You do know what you're getting. He piles up hits, but they're not, they're always just kind of like finishing his check type of hits. They never seem to be useful hits. They're just kind of like, yeah, he'll hit a guy, he'll hit the defenseman after the defenseman gets rid of the puck, right? Yeah. He's not, again, like the, the whole idea that he's this big, tough, gritty forward, 
is just proof that some some people don't actually watch them. Yeah, and I mean, again, I get the concept of a distressed asset or a, an undervalued asset or whatever you want to classify it. Yeah. We've seen it across all the big four professional sports leagues in North America, second, third, fourth chances to uh, high draft picks, high-profile guys, et cetera, et cetera. But this, to me, doesn't fall into that category because there's no real extended body of work at the top level, the mm-hmm. NHL, where you could say, this is worth it. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't understand it at all. When I saw it come across yesterday, I almost thought it was just maybe this started on, like, a Reddit sub form, and now it's made its way to chatter on Twitter. But it, it's out there. And, yeah, so the report, I guess, from Bob Stoffer was that Edmonton offered him a PTO. There's one from Calgary. Apparently, Washington is mm-hmm. interested as well. But I look at it and... Oh, good. They can, they can, they can, uh, we can start the narrative that maybe Tom Wilson can teach him. Right. Teach him some stuff. But I... I, How many, how many guys do we hear about that? Uh, Oh, maybe this guy can, can show him how to do this. Yeah. No, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't have the wherewithal or the, uh, I don't, I don't know what it is. The, the fortitude to... Mm -hmm. To play like you should. Like, do you know how crazy it is that <laughs> this is a guy that is like big and he has speed. Mm-hmm. And one of the things he never did was go to the net. Yeah. I, you mentioned that on occasion. On occasion. During his time. But I just, I, but I still find it, um, like, I, I, you know, those crazy pills times when you're like, am I taking crazy pills I that wrong? people, yeah. that people are still saying like, oh, he's this big, tough, the Canucks, Canucks need a big, tough winger in their lineup. I'm like, yeah, they do. Yep. I don't, but it's not him. I don't, I don't get it. I was I, surprised I just, around the support he got on Twitter, like for, just from that PTO, like people really rallying around it. It was like, really? Like, this is the guy you're going for? No, like, it's not that. It's those people took up the cause. It's not the guy. It's the cause. Yeah. It's what, it, it's what it represented. Fair. Right? And that is kind of what Twitter becomes in a nutshell is yeah. very quickly it deviates from being about the topic at hand and into the topic they want to push. I think half the time it's more a reaction yeah. to the people that are criticizing Vertanen Mm -hmm. um, and they feel the need to push back on what they feel is hysterical reactions to Vertanen. You know, I, I, and, and, and I, you know, like I, I I get it because we see it. um, I don't, I don't endorse it, but I get it because we see that happen all the time. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. I, I, it's just, I I look at it and I'm like, you know, I, I don't get it. And I know that's not the most scintillating sports talk radio take of all time, right? I don't know. I don't know. But I, I, it didn't make any sense to me. It still doesn't make any sense to me. I've looked at it left, right, up, and down. Yeah. I've gone to Cap Friendly and looked at other <laughs> forwards that could get a PTO and that have been way more productive and have a way better body of work at the NHL level than Rutan. Well, it's, right? it's hilarious. They probably just want to play just as badly. Are, are you are you kind of of the mind? Like, do these teams not have scouts? Uh, yeah. Are they just like <laughs> what? Did they go to Hockey DB and like, hey, there's a draft pick that didn't pan out. Like, do they have a filter that they're using? Is there some sort of algorithm? I don't know. It just it doesn't no, make but any like, sense. Okay, okay. I'll put uh, let's let's play devil's advocate. here. Sure. Okay. Um, a guy like Nachushkin, uh-huh. right? Yeah. Took him a while to pan out. For sure. Right. And if you look at his point totals, um, y- you would. 
you would go like, "Whoa, this guy's a this guy's a bust." He, he went to the KHL, and, you know, he came back. He wasn't it something like he was crazy, like he didn't get any points or something like he that. Had no like, goals. Yeah, no. Literally goals. scored zero goals. Nothing, yeah. right? Like that. Like it was. It was like. Uh, if his name wasn't listed on the box score, then it would be there would be no evidence that he played in some of these games. But I think there were underlying stats. He was, he was an analytics darling. And, but also, you could watch him and and look at him and go like, "Well, oh, that guy kind of plays a heavy game." Sure, there was right? something there. I agree. There was something there. Yeah, I've I've yet to see that something. Yeah. Right now, again, I get if this really says one thing, it speaks to the power of if you can have that one year where you score eighteen goals in sixty nine games. Nice. Um, then I guess you get a second or maybe even third bite at the apple. But uh, again, like for example, uh, Alex Chieson, who I thought it's did I thought Chieson signed in Switzerland, but apparently he's on a PTO in Arizona now. Like what is going on? Left is down. Maybe he had an out or something like that. Or right maybe, is maybe up, it... left is down. Everything's happening now. It's so hard to keep track. Cats of Cats and dogs PTOs. living together. Well, but the big story now, I think, over the next two weeks, and define big. But big is going to, around the NHL, is going to be the amount of guys that are going to go places on PTOs. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if almost every NHL team has one. Yeah, right? it's PTO City right now. Right. Like, I, like some of them, just, they kind of, you gloss over them. Like, uh, Zach Aston Reese is going with Toronto. I, I forgot about that. I think that happened last week. I got like Victor Rask, who at one point was kind of a touted player. He's going with Columbus. So the, they're happening. Cody Eakin with Calgary. And then, of course, here, the Canucks have brought. Danny DeKaiser in on a PTO. And I just feel like because of the financial landscape in the NHL, every team's going to do this. Yeah. Right. Every, like, why not? I mean, aside from what you have to put the guy up in a hotel for a couple weeks, right? Pay a little extra for some pillow mints and away you go. Right. Right. That's it. And you get a look at him. It's like when Owen, remember when Owen Nolan came to Vancouver on a PTO? Oh, yeah. 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 Wow. I forgot about that. that a yeah. Long time ago. Deep cut. Yeah. I know. I, one day when I'm unemployed, which will probably be soon. <laughs> I'm going to put together the list of like infamous PTO guys that the Canucks have brought in because, you know, it always happens at a time of the year where you're desperate for news stories, mm-hmm. right? Like, I, all due respect, yeah, I know we got a break. All due respect to the rest of the guys on the station, I'd never heard so much Danny DeKaiser coverage in my life. Was he, Jack, people were hungry for the it, day man. That he, we, had, we had a reporter on from Detroit. Yeah. I think it was Helene St. James. Yeah. And even she was like, Give you me want this, to talk, give you me want this guy. Him? <laughs> really? Like, what for? And was Jack Skilly originally a PTO? Yes. Was he, he a PTO made he, good? He converted. He was the point after. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, he converted the PTO. It was great for Jack Skilly. Yeah, and I, I remember that was his, and that was his one year here, and it just kind of came and went. Those guys do occasionally pan out. And again, I've told this story before. The greatest one ever was Scotty Upshaw when he was here. Right. He signed the PTO. He got to go on like the sickest private jet ever to China. Play a game. That's right. That's and right. then came back and signed a contract with the like that was great. He so, got an he got an all expenses paid trip to Asia. Are basically. all these PTOs just because nobody has any money? Like this is yes, just that's like, exactly we what have, it we is. We have no cap space, so let's just get all these PTOs. Yeah. I mean, I've I've talked to a couple players that actually were on them before. And they're like, you go and it's it's one of two things. Either you have a realistic shot with the team, so you're working your tail off, or you're doing it just so you, other teams can see you play. And they're like, Oh, he's still got legs, or oh, he can still wheel, and then you go somewhere else. So It'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. Uh, we can continue all of these different conversations on the Hockey Tip with Brendan Batchelor. He's coming up next. Don't miss it. 7 o'clock, Batch, the play-by-play voice of the Vancouver Canucks on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.